Okay, we're back to podcast on Wednesday night, and um, thank you for being patient with me. Um, during this time, we, uh, we're we waking up in the one o'clock hour now, you know, where, where I'm at work every night before two, and uh, I'm going to bed between 6.30 and 7, so I appreciate you being patient during the month of December, and we will meet again on Wednesday night. Um, let me look at it here while we're all together. The 4th, January the 4th, so about a month. And so um, thanks again for your patience. I appreciate and love you all. Again, we will meet um, on, <clears throat> we will meet at the coffee shop at 9.30 on Sunday um, for church. We'll do that for the immediate future. Kevin's still working on some things with the venue. Um, it boils down to practicality and price. Um, it, you know, uh, I would be willing to do that in the event that, you know, we didn't pay full price on Wednesday. And uh, because it's Sunday, it's pretty pretty much the same, very close. Within three hundred dollars over the month, or three forty, I think it is over the month. But uh, the Wednesdays is is different. Uh, it would almost make the price double if that was our own place. Uh, I w it would be it would be a different matter. I, I wouldn't mind that as much. Um, but we um, we we're just prayerful, and uh, we're, we're really seeking God's will. I am. Uh, concerning uh, the matter, and so just uh, thank you for your resiliency and your love of God and one another and and me, and uh, I want to say I appreciate it, and I love all of you. I want you to go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, we're going back to verse number 1. Um, verse number 1 of Hebrews 12. Uh, this is it. The, we, I mean, now, it's not the last chapter. We've also got Hebrews 13, but Hebrews 12 is kind of that high water mark of Hebrews that we've been working to. Uh, started in Hebrews 11, and it comes to, to chapter 12. So we come to chapter 12, and it starts with wherefore. And the very first word is wherefore. Well, when we read wherefore uh, in the scripture, or therefore, <laughs> either one, you look at what it's there for. And um, it, wherefore is referring back. So it would refer back to the previous chapter. So the, the first chapter starts in chapter 12, verse 1, with the word wherefore, so we know immediately that it's referring back to the previous chapter. So wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So here is the idea, and it's where I've taken, I've preached an entire sermon series that got the thought and the burden from 12.1 referring back to 11. And here's here's what I mean. The idea here is now you got to remember this is, and I've told you before in the study that there is a great debate 
Uh, I won't say great because to me it's not that big of a deal. I, I believe the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God and penned it, and he just used penmen. Uh, but there is a debate on whom the penman is of the book of Hebrews. And uh, many lean Paul. If it's not Jesus himself, I would lean, I would, I lean Paul also. Now, here is one of the chapters or reasons why. Paul, and there's there's other places, but Paul was a, he was like me. He enjoyed sports. He enjoyed the games. Um, greatest Christian outside of Jesus Christ himself enjoyed athletic events. Um, you've got to remember during this time period, the Roman games, the Olympic games, were immensely popular and uh, the Colosseums and so forth. And you, you see references to wrestling uh, in Paul's writings. You see references to uh, boxing or fighting, beateth against the air uh, in Paul's writings. You, you see references to a Roman warrior in Paul's writings. And you see several references to running the race in Paul's writings, okay? All of these are allusions to athletic events, to sporting events. And this idea here in chapter 12, verse number 1, gives us the idea of a, of a race being run and there's onlookers in a stadium and they're looking down upon those that are running the race. And so the, the idea given to us in chapter 12, verse 1, is uh, reference to those that have gone on before us as if they see us, as if they witness us and watch us running our race and rooting for us. And so now, having said that, there is a question as to whether the dead in Christ, those that have died in salvation, can see us, can look down upon us. I personally... Now, here's the two school of thoughts. Okay, one school of thought is that because of the reference of the asleep in Christ, the fact that the dead um, dies and they, in essence, are asleep, it's as if they are asleep and then they wake up at the rapture. They come together at the rapture. Um, I do not believe that. And the reason I do not believe that is because the Bible teaches us to be absent from the body. And we know even medical science, science itself um, teaches us that the soul leaves the body. That the body has a soul. Um, it, one second after death, the body weighs less by a fragment less than it did prior to death. And, you know, I know some maybe think it's air in the lungs or what have you, but the reality is it's it's most likely the result of the soul leaving the body. And um, either way, the soul leaves the body at death. 
Okay. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you see the rich, the rich man in hell in Luke 16 gives us so many keys. It's such a powerful chapter. Yes, it teaches about hell, but it also teaches about the afterlife and life prior to the rapture and in death and even paradise and so forth. And it, the, the rich man in hell and Abraham and Lazarus, all of them had, um, they had faculties. They, they are Abraham's bosom and Lazarus and the rich man. They were all three there. The rich man was in hell and uh, the Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom in paradise. And so we see from all accounts in Scripture that those that went on before us can see us, can witness us. Now, here, here's the argument that I've heard made. Well, there's no tears in heaven, um, and therefore they can't, they, they don't see us because it would break their hearts. Well, that's not what, the Bible refers to him wiping away their tears in eternity, in eternity, not now, not yet, not in heaven. They haven't even, those that have died haven't even had the judgment seat of Christ yet. Okay, they're just, in, they're in paradise basically waiting on the rapture and the next steps. But they're with the Lord. They're with the Lord. So, the understanding from Scripture, and this chapter gives us great, uh, great, witness to it is that the dead in Christ can indeed witness us and do um, and, and cheer us on and root us on that we run our race with patience. So it's referring back to chapter 11. We already know that with the word wherefore. Okay, so Abraham, Isaac. So there's two implications here. Number one, the implication is they have set the example for us. The, the Old Testament saints, those mentioned in Scripture leading up to this, have set the example of how to live for God for us. And they're, they're, they're that cloud of witness. Because if you've ever had anybody monumental or impactful in your life that has died, um, they their impact on your life and their example on your life was made for the rest of your life. Okay, so that's that's one understanding of it. The other is they they actually witness and see what's going on, and you live your life and challenge you to to live your life. Okay, so chapter twelve, verse one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, we're moving on from that thought to this challenge. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight. Now, this is different than the sin. The weight, ladies and gentlemen, is a hindrance to the progress of your Christian life. It weighs you down. 
It may not necessarily be a sin. In fact, it's not a sin. It's teaching us a very different portion uh, than sin. Sin is also mentioned in the same verse, so it can't be sin. A weight is something that impedes and slows down progress. Um, let me think of something, because most of the time we, we have sin issues, but a weight on you can be something that's it has, say, say something's on your mind. Let's just make it simple. Something's on your mind, and it's not in the realm of worry or, or fear, because those two things can enter into the realm of sin. But it, it, it's, it's something that you, almost like the thorn in the flesh. It's a weight. It's impeding your progress. It's slowing down your, your progress for God. It's slowing down your walk with God. And and it has to go because it says to lay aside. Fact weights uh, were were used for training. So sometimes it, it, they're still used for training. I, I like to use weights and uh, in, in lifting and resistance exercises. But some runners run with weights, and they do that to to when they don't have the weight to make running easier and freer. Well, the Bible's teaching us those things that we we have learned and we have progressed. We need to learn to lay aside so that we can run freer and without weight for Jesus. Then it says the sin which thus so easily beset us. So it also enters into the realm of sin, the sins that hold us back. There's a lot. There's many, but... Grudges are, are probably the biggest uh, that that I see today. People that that just can't let go of wrongs or perceived wrongs done to them by other people, and and or a past that those are things that impede our spiritual progress, or maybe somebody that you can't hardly even get along with at church, or maybe. Uh, something that you just can't get over, those things are, are spiritual weights and sins that beset you, that that set you back, that hold you back. The Bible says that we are to lay those aside that we might be able to run our race with patience. So what this teaches us is the Christian life is not a sprint. It is not a sprint. You understand the difference in a long-distance run or a long-distance marathon and a sprint. A sprint is over very quickly. A sprint requires a quick burst of energy, and it, it requires the fast-twitch muscles, and it's over. A lot of people have come out of the gate sprinting and have not understood the race with patience. I have counseled this this week. This subject matter, run the race with patience. This is a patient Christian walk. This is a patient journey, okay? This is a marathon, not a sprint, okay? I know Brother Kevin loves to run, and in and, and, and running a marathon, you must have patience, 
you you must be methodical you you must have a game plan you you must go about this in in the proper way the training that is involved the diet that is involved the build up that is involved that's that's how you should undertake the christian life a lot of people just undertake it haphazardly and go about it and whatever happens happens and and all of that, and that's that's not how God's intending us to run this. We are to run this race with with patience. We are to prepare. We are to be patient on our journey, patient with God, patient with other people, and continue to progress forward. That doesn't mean that you allow. You, that doesn't mean you're to be reactive, and you just allow things to happen and occur. Uh, you, you are to be proactive in your Christian walk. But the reality is is the fact that we are to run our race with patience. All right. And uh, in the race that is set before us. Verse number two. Here's how we are to do it. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That does not mean look to our neighbor, look to our brother or sister. That does not mean look to... Um, look to, look to someone else. It doesn't mean that we are to. Here's here's the reality of this. They are looking down on us and have set an example, but we're to look to Jesus in our race. He is our prize. He is our goal. He is our trophy, if you please. So Jesus is whom we are to look to. He is the author. And the finisher. The author means the one that has come up with it. It was born in his heart. But he's also the finisher of our faith. So our faith is born in the heart of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in verse 2, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Believe it or not, the cross was a joy to him. And he endured it. He didn't. He didn't enjoy going to it, but the fact that he could die for us brought about joy to Jesus, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he despised the shame that he he went through, but he did it with joy. Now, there's things that we have to go through in life that are harmful, hurtful, it seems we despise them, but we do them and go about them with joy. The Bible says we are to maintain our joy in our walk with God. And the example given is Jesus Christ going to the cross and although it was in endurance, although it was harsh, although it was the, the most malicious mistreatment of an individual ever known to mankind, he did it with joy. And because of that, I want to run my race and I want to finish my course with joy. I'll preach the message on that, finishing your course with joy. Verse 3. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see that? 
The enemy seeks to wear us down in our mind. The enemy seeks to wear us out in our minds. We have termed this today depression. We have termed it uh, today as um, anxiety, different issues and, and problems that we have in our minds. That is an in trick of the enemy. Okay. Verse number three, for consider him that it endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You're to guard your minds. The weariness, the battle, the, the, the fight comes in our minds. So many times we, we let things get in our minds and we, we can't overcome them. We let, we, they do, they are in their heart and our, they get to our heart, but they get to our heart through our minds. And then verse number four, ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Okay, so we haven't shed our blood, striving against sin. That was Christ. Christ did that. That's what that verse means. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So the Bible teaches us whom he loves, he chastens, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, uh, ver, yeah, yeah, verse, yeah, ver, verse number yeah, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Um, I've taught this before recently. You, you don't spank my youngins. I spank my youngins. I don't spank your youngins. You spank your youngins. Well, Christ chastens those that are his. And if someone sins willfully and they live in sin and they don't endure chastening, then they're not one of his. So look at this. Verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as a son. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. It means you have no father. You have no claimed father if you're a bastard. And I know that society has made that a very bad word because it's a very, you know, pitiful situation. But uh, to be a bastard and not a son is, is to go through life and you can sin, you can get out of the will of God, you can do things that are contrary to God, and you not endure chastening, okay? So, verse 8, but if you be with, verse 9, Furthermore, we have had our fathers of the flesh, flesh which corrected us, and we give them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Sometimes a father chastens a son, or a mother chastens a son or a daughter, just because that, that, that child didn't listen to them. Well, God doesn't necessarily do that. His chastening towards us is so that we'll learn and gain from it. So the godliest Fathers, the wisest fathers, the godliest and wisest mothers, when they do chasten a child, it's not just to get the child to listen in a form of punishment, 
but it is to teach them wrong from right in the fact that consequences are suffered if if you choose wrong. So that's important, okay? It's important. When God chastens us, he doesn't do it just as a punishment for the wrong that we did. He chastens us to teach us to do right. Two very, very vastly different issues and realities here. So remember that. The chastening that we endure, we endure for our betterment as children and people of God. Verse number 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest they which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So do you see that? The chastening is for our betterment. Now, like verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That's a good verse. That's a verse we should look to, learn from, hearken to, to follow peace with all men. You should be a peacemaker, okay? There are times when you've made every effort for peace and it just doesn't happen. It does not occur. But you should be known as one that follows peace and a peacemaker. Not just that, but holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So we, we can't see him unless we have his imputed holiness upon us. Looking diligently, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Okay? We don't want to fail his grace, his grace bestowed upon us. Now I'm going to really... And we're wrapping up our time. So when we start next time, we're going to start uh, at verse 14. But I'm going to come to verse 17 tonight, mention them briefly because that's a great stopping place. And then when we start Sunday night, we're going to start on verse 14. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and therefore defile many. That is speaking of a root of bitterness that is down on the inside. You know, you can't see the root of the tree. You can't. Sometimes root are ex roots are exposed, but primarily the root system is underneath the ground. But you do see the fruit. Okay? And so the fruit of bitterness comes out. It can come out in your heart. It can come out in looks. It can come out in the way you talk to an individual. But the fruit of bitterness is a result of the root of bitterness being down where nobody could see. Do you know what the root of bitterness comes from? It comes from unforgiveness. It comes from wrongs that you can't, you just can't get over. It comes from problems that you you that you've had with another individual that you just can't get past, things that you can't let go, things that you can't forget. That's where the root of bitterness starts at. The fruit of it 
is comes out in, in your minds. It comes out in the way you talk. It comes out in decisions you make. And you, you, you don't have fruit without the root. And that's why we are to be careful to not let bitterness get in our hearts on the inside. It can happen to any relationship known to man whether it's husbands and wives, whether it's children and, and parents, it's so important as a child of God to keep bitterness out of our hearts because it defiles many, is what verse 15 says. And if you do that, you fail the grace of God because nobody has been wronged like Jesus and yet he does not possess the the least bit bitterness in his heart towards us. And the Bible is teaching us that if we allow bitterness to creep in and remain in us, that we're failing of the grace of God. All right, folks, this has been Hebrews chapter 12. This, this has been verses 1 through 15. And the next time we have podcast, which will be Sunday night, we're gonna we're going to pick up in verse fourteen and finish out Hebrews twelve, and then we'll we'll jump into Hebrews thirteen. So we probably got two more sessions in Hebrews. We'll have Sunday night and then next Wednesday night. But I've enjoyed this book. I've enjoyed this book thoroughly. We'll probably go right into James. Next, James is another great book of the Bible. And so we're just going through the scriptures and learning them and studying them together. I hope you have a good night. I love each of you. Be safe and be warm and be at church on Sunday morning. I think you'll enjoy it greatly. Uh, we're in this study and this series on Christ. And uh, I'm looking forward to preaching and teaching it again. Good night, each of you, and I love you.